Welcome to episode 422 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. He's not wearing his scary hat. I wonder if he's got a reason why. It's Russell John the Fisherman. Um, yeah, uh, isolation came back, the live stream we do with the BFG guys. And uh, somebody said that they thought the long-haired guy was funny. So I think it's part of my gimmick now. I need the long hair and the rings. It's my brand. You know, we, we bring in new listeners. <laughs> we try to bring in new listeners to the show. And we, when we when we want the opening to be welcoming and broad, and then you bring up shit that even people who listen to this show still don't even know the reference you're making. It's a live stream. We do it on Twitch. We play video games. We drink a little bit. Is that seriously back? Uh, we did one. I don't know if it's back. I had fun, though. I played a, uh, what game did I play? I can't even remember. It was know. a VHS retro one. What is that company we like? They Rockstar. The- no, not Rockstar. <laughs> you idiot. Oh, yeah, EA no. Sports. Fuck, I feel bad. I, really I know like what them. you're talking about. You're talking about, um, I can't think of them either. Yeah, I'll look it up. But they do like 8-bit shit. Yeah. 8-bit shit. Speaking of 8-bit shit, it's Randy Michael Stad. That's me. What's up? I'm back, baby. Randy, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. My uh, my voice is a little uh, a little wonky, a little deeper than normal because, uh, as you know, Hit if you puberty. listen to this podcast, I was in uh, New York last weekend and I, uh, I I I didn't sleep too much, and I think I got sick when I got back. I I didn't feel bad until about Wednesday of this past week, though. So I'm guessing it's from New York, but it could have been a uh, Atlanta virus too. Who knows? Now, Randy, as we famously know, New York is the city that never sleeps. So you participated in this moniker? Yeah, not necessarily by uh, choice. I uh, met up with um, some a, a bunch of uh, friends that I grew up with uh, were in town. And my friend, uh, Chris, who's in this band called Cell Genesis, uh, they were on tour and played in Brooklyn. So that is why I went out there. And we also met up with uh, East Bay Cinematographer photographer friend Jasadi who was there and uh, I was out till about four uh Friday night and Saturday morning my body woke me up at about 6 45 and said that it was time to uh be awake because I never sleep in past seven so uh yeah I got I got about two and a half hours of sleep that night look at our little party boys out there in New York learning how to become a party man I know hey in the uh, parlance of Clark I'm bullish on New York City. <laughs> God, that made me cringe. Also, the company, there's our clip. Puppet combo. That puppet was, combo. Group, yeah. Yes, of course we're talking about puppet combo. Yeah. Now, Randy, uh, what was your friend's band that you went out there to see? They're called Cell Genesis. They're from Oakland, and I've never seen them before. And I saw them on the East Coast instead of uh, seeing them uh, many times much closer to where I used to live. Now, were you surprised when you saw them perform for the first time that they were a band that did Genesis covers, but in the version of Tarzan Sings The Cell? Uh, yeah, I couldn't name you a, a Genesis song off the top of my head, but uh, you know you know it when you hear it. What the hell was the last part there? Tarzan Sing, The Cell, Jennifer Lopez. Oh, okay. I've yeah. never seen it. I should have went J-Lo and I went with yeah. the director. Thank, yeah. But see, that's for our true film homies. I, I thought you said Tarzan Sings. I, <laughs> I like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's oh, his name. Oh, I did watch the Beastmaster. Tarzan Sings, Lucas Guacamole. Should I talk about Beastmaster today? Why? 
Because I forgot I watched it. Who cares? Let me let me go ahead and add it to the list. How big is your list, dude? Uh, now five. Dude, you can't do it. <laughs> All right. You can't cut me off. Brother. It's Don Coscarelli, brother, dude. Do you know how much of this show you dominate with your movie talks <laughs> at the end? I mean, it is a movie podcast. You take so a, Yeah, but you take up for about 45% of the show. Yeah, but people get opt out. They're like, all right, I already got the hilarity of Clark Randy and I have opted out for seven years. <laughs> I know. You're watching a sport game right now. <laughs> I'm not watching a sport game. I promise you I'm not. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mislead our audience. I'm there. not. Yeah, but we I did, should be. You know what? I'll, I'll cover Beastmaster right now. That's a good idea. Uh, it's a good movie. I hated it as a kid because I had a weird thing about humans and animals. I was not into them on film. I wanted monsters. This movie's got a lot of them. In fact, the heroes of this movie are body-hugging uh, life-sucking bat people who worship blackbirds. It's pretty cool. I liked it. All right. New rule for the show. <laughs> when you come up here. Four stars. You, <laughs> you, I don't think you can bring a pot of coffee next to you like you did today. Oh, I did. I don't think, I don't think you can I'm, do the same one. I'm ready. I'm calm. In your head, you're ready. I'm ready. But, Randy and I were having a conversation about New York, and then you come in. Hey, we're going to talk about Beastmaster. You need to calm down. I don't even know what just happened. We're recollecting ourselves. You guys were lulling me to bed. I had to wake up. So I got my coffee right here next to me. Lord. All right. Uh, Russell John, the fisherman. How was your week this week? Uh, boring. Boring? Yeah. Okay. We didn't do much. Did we do anything? I can't think of anything of note that we did home a lot more yeah that's oh, stay home stay safe yeah good exactly. job guys it's dangerous good out jobs. there all right a lot of people giving up on that you have not yeah i want to hear about your weekend oh my weekend big mm-hmm. weekend big weekend spent about an hour and 15 minutes at a watch show that was it probably an hour 15 hours no 30. you were gone all day i went to a movie you came back drunk came back drunk with the girl no pants <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's probably an hour and a half there. Tell me more. It was a big watch fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, the SF Wind Up Watch Fair, San Francisco, California. That's what it's called. Yeah, I like it. They have one in uh, Chicago and I believe one in New York. So it's a traveling thing. Um, I don't know, just a big watch fair. Uh, decent brands, good brands. Um, from all over, and uh, was uh. Looking forward to seeing all these, uh, you know, watches that I had only seen on the internet, Randy. You know, haven't have been able to chance to see uh, some of these brands, like uh, Studio Underdog, for example, which is a nice micro brand out of Britain. Uh, they they had a, they had a little booth there and finally got to see some of these pieces. Uh, they only release like five hundred a year, and they sell out very very quickly. So even though you go to their website and I checked before that they had, uh, they didn't have a ton of options, uh, but they had one of everything, um, <laughs> there. So, uh, you know, it was pretty cool, um, to see some of the, and also, you know, talk to some of these guys, talk to, uh, these two guys that started a watch company in Santa Monica, a couple of surfers. They were cool guys. And, uh, yeah, bought a new G shock. Very happy. Almost spent way too much money on a, uh, a Zodiac, Randy. That's a good brand. Check out Zodiac and their flagship Super Seawolf. Okay. That's a, a dive watch. 
Russell, I don't know what kind of watches would you be into. Would you like a dive watch, or you more you want more of a field watch? I didn't like watches when they were actually a useful utility. They still are. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, the phone works okay. Yeah, but watches. True. It's it's yes, but this is this is this is uh, standing the test of time, my friend. So you're at uh, the wind up convention. Yes, that's right. And you're you're just surrounded by women. There's women everywhere. So much <laughs> pussy. Randy, do me a do me a favor and put up wind up watch convention in your uh, Google <laughs> bar, and then go to images and let's play. Where's Waldo with the girl? <laughs> Can you find one? And if she's working a booth, no, that doesn't count. Correct. She has to be there in the wild. Anyway, so you're at a you're at a booth, and there's these two dudes, long curly blonde hair. They just came up from SoCal. They founded a new watch company. One of the scars guards. Yeah, and you're wearing your uh, athleisure, long sleeve Lululemon. That's right. And they're like, "What? What you rocking, bro? What kind of watch you got?" And you you pull back your sleeve, and it's an Apple Watch. What do they do? Are they like, "Oh, get the fuck out of here"? They bounce no, you? No, no, because at the end of the day, they're salesmen. Oh, okay. So they'll lie to you. So, like, oh, nice, dude. So, I, I, honestly, I mean, if they're smart, yeah, that's you know that that's the first thing. Um, I, now you bring up an interesting point. Because I did put a lot of pressure on me yesterday <laughs> of like, what watch am I going to wear to the watch show? Hey, that's not dumb. That's that's a thing. Because I was like, I because I, I was like, I, I'm going to have a little bit of a target. And, yeah. I, and it was but the thing was, I didn't look at other people's wrists. I, it wasn't I felt like I, I don't know. I was just trying to navigate me being in a crowded room that I don't like. So I wasn't worried about other people's watches, but I knew I could control yeah. What I was going to do, because when I was you know going to the vendors, like th- every single one of them wanted to know what I was wearing. So I wore really. My, yeah, that's right. they're like, "What you got on?" Yeah, that's like that's that's very common to start the conversation mm-hmm. that way. So I picked my Hamilton PSR, which is the reissue of the first digital watch that was ever made. Oh, the Hamilton. Yes, it's a good watch. Hamilton. See, you're picking up. <laughs> this is sarcasm for our <laughs> no, listeners, but I'm trying to no, I love it. reward I, with positive. Hey, I've always been on the other end of this. Like, yeah, I would do it at at metal shows. You know, I was of the 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 mind where you don't wear a band shirt to a band concert. I would always wear something, you know, parallel. So yeah. I'd usually wear a horror shirt at a horror convention. I always wore a band shirt. You know, I I think about that shit too. Yeah, and you're right. Every booth because you want to talk to people. Yeah. They're like, oh, cool, Man of War. Dude, you want to know how bummed I was when I started seeing a bunch of Man of War shirts at a horror convention? I'm like, oh. Yeah. He's like, Fucking, I got to find something else. Yeah, it's then. like, you got to be unique. That's it. And that was it. And I that is a perfect watch to stand out. Um, because it's just, it's a cool watch. It's retro, it's digital, but it, it doesn't look digital. Is that the Kubrick it's one? A nice, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was a good choice for that one. Um, what was the Kubrick thing like? He he had it designed for they yeah he wanted to get a digital watch in two thousand and one, uh, but and they were trying to figure out what that would look like, and so he had a little bit of influence on that. But they for whatever reason I don't think they used it in two thousand one, but it was used in um, I think the first James Bond. Oh, red. Yeah, whichever the first one. It's kind of a cooler movie for like a gadget. Like James Bond, because yeah. it's kind of part oh, of his 100%. thing. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah. like, he's what? What the hell is he wearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean that's cool. I'm glad you went out there. I those like little cultures are really interesting. But you you mentioned that they're in Chicago, New York, and out here. Yeah, is that like startup? 
like where, where's the target audience they're going for? Like startup culture or no? I mean, these like, are who goes to a, like I know, I know you're a very good Christian boy and you would never sure. judge another person. But as the king of judgment, what kind of people were showing up here? Like they had to have money, right? Okay. Uh, well, watches are very popular right now. Watches are are back in, and what one of the best things that happened to watches, I think, was the pandemic. Oh, why? I don't know. Uh, people started buying watches. They're not leaving the house. And, they need and a watch it's, for. it's, it's, it started sort of a, a trickle down effect because like the higher end pieces, um, you know, they ended up, some of those were finally getting, getting those prices back down from like, you know, uh, the Daytonas, mm-hmm. uh, which is Rolex and the GMTs and all that stuff. It, Master two. So like, all that's finally like the retail price of those were like, you know, eighteen thousand dollars, and they went up to over fifty thousand. Oh my god! So like the market, and then you've got all the the nods to all these high end watches. Yeah. Like take the AP Royal Oak. Mm. Google that. Google the. Just god. type AP Royal. Am I gonna get Oak. put on a list? No. Randy, you go ahead and do this too, and you're on the home computer. Royal Royal Oak. Yep, there you go. This is arguably, I'm going to say, the most popular sports watch in the history of mankind. That guy right there. Okay. Got the waffle dial, all titanium. You see the link in the bracelet, um, the octagonal uh, bezel there. It's all very nice. Yeah. The the octagonal bezel? The case. (laughs) Yeah. So... There are so many nods to this watch. Now, this watch right here, $70,000, somewhere in that. I think retail is like, yeah, you see, $68,000 right there. So I think retail was like thirty-eight, And so, you know, they've doubled. Um, And sometimes, you know, you can easily get one, you know, right there. The chronograph, $135,000. Oh, very affordable. Yes. So, but you do have affordable versions of this. You have nice versions for uh, the, now type in uh, Tiso PRX. No, T-I-S-S-O-T. There there you go. There you are. Now here's a $675 version of that watch. What do you think? I think I could think of better ways to spend that money, but, but I get it. But for, do you think that that's, that's I think a, it would, it would bother me. What do you, how's so? I be, just, I, I mean, look around the house. Like I collect a lot of shit. It's kind of like having an original versus a lithograph. Like, sure. You're like, Oh, but Tiso has its own history behind this. Tiso is a respected Swiss. They're a Swiss watch brand. Swiss mm-hmm. brands have their own, um, rules and regulations that they have to admit. If you are a Swiss watch watchmaker, you have a stamp of approval Okay. with the rest of the world. So you're paying for craft, not brand? Yes. Tiso is one of the respected entry-level Swiss watchmakers. So right there, 675 bucks for, you know, a watch that costs you know, 10,000 times. <laughs> I don't know. I can't do the math. It's so weird you got into this. and But I get it. You know, um, you know, I joke about it, but you know, us men, we need fashion, and it's hard to accessorize. I remember, I remember just a few years ago, actively having thoughts of like, I don't care about watches. I would never want to do that. I didn't like having things on my person. Yeah, 
Well, it's an in-between of clothing and jewelry. Yeah. We're like, clearly I go the jewelry route here. Yeah, I can't do that. I used to do necklace too. I had earrings at one point. I want to do a, I want to do a big uh, gaudy cross. Yeah, I can't do that. Chain and cross. Randy, um, what do you think about that? Randy, you ever thought about a uh, earring or chains? Uh, no, especially not earrings because my earlobes uh, are attached to my my face. All right, let's I don't prove have it. the uh, <laughs> I don't have actual lobes. What? That's a regular ear. Oh. I have the reverse. I have giant earlobes. People used to make fun of them. You can still pierce that though. You put a little, put a little, put a little stud in there. You probably could. Yeah. Yeah, I could put a lot of mine. I used to back in the day because in San Francisco, you know, everybody gets gauges like Oksana. Yeah. They stretch their ear. Yeah. I used to think I should get a gauge so it looks like I stretched my earlobe instead of just having a big one. That's like. <laughs> Lord of mercy. I know the things we do. Um. Yeah. So yeah, we talk about film on the show sometimes. One thing I did want to mention briefly is that Big Shark will be premiering in San Francisco. Apparently, New Orleans got it first. Fucking Tommy, what are you doing? Well, I, tell our listeners what Big Shark is. Again, uh, new, the new listeners, the new Tommy Wiseau movie. Yes, thank the you. Uh, from the auteur who behind the room, Randy's uh, favorite filmmaker. Randy's favorite filmmaker, and you know he's up there with Truffaut. Um. Yeah, but he's going to be here for what? You said he's doing double shows. They're doing Big Shark and The Room. Back to back, Friday, Saturday. Now, I have The Room pull, or uh, Big Shark pulled up. I don't see Greg Sestero in here. The fuck happened? Are they on good terms again? Maybe not. Yeah, I don't see him in here. Actually, I see Wayne Douglas Morgan playing nice. Captain Joe. He looks pretty good. I don't know what to expect, but the only way I can imagine being disappointed is if it's actually kind of a good movie. And just boring. Now, like competently made. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, look at the. Also, look at the poster. Big Shark, directed by Tommy Wiseau, the creator <laughs> of the room, not director of the the creator of the room. Can New Orleans survive? I'm assuming it's a New Orleans movie. Are sharks it is. <laughs> a problem out there? Well, it's in the Gulf. Okay. And also you have you have sharks who swim in brackish water. Oh really? So you the runoff of the Mississippi into the Gulf of Mexico, that is the port of New Orleans. So ergo, theoretically, yes. Brackish shark is a better title. Brackish shark. I like that. <laughs> um again, this is our new news segment where we talk about movies coming out. Oksana brought another one to our attention that I really wanted to get on here. Uh who who are the people that uh are behind this that you wanted to mention? Uh, so I saw an article on Tubi's website saying that. Oh, wait, what? You're going to Tubi for news? It's. I was looking for something else, and then I was like, oh, they have a news section. Which Weird. took me to a Rolling Stone article that said James Headfield to appear alongside Peter Dinklage in upcoming Western thriller. The oh, Thicket. We, we got a big cast here. Juliette Lewis, Peter Dinklage, Macon Blair, James Hetfield. And the king of New York himself, Andrew Schultz. God, Andrew Schultz. <laughs> oh, boy. Fuck. Dude, you think somebody gets killed on set? What are the odds? Hope it's Andrew Schultz. Dude, James Hetfield. Hetfield on... Hetfield would take a bullet. There's no question. I, I, there's not even a poster for this fucking movie. 
Set in the West Texas, set in West Texas, the film follows a boy who, after his sister is kidnapped by a violent killer known only as Cutthroat Bill, played by Juliet Lewis, <laughs> enlists a fierce bounty hunter named what? Reginald Jones. Reginald Jones, who grudging, what? grudgingly becomes the leader of the group of outcasts searching for the stolen girl. This sounds terrible. I fell asleep during you yeah, reading Yeah, dude, that. that's so boring. Now Reginald struggling. is Peter Dinklage. Oh, Back my. Okay. <laughs> He's hunting down Juliet Lewis? Okay. All right. Well, let's hope that doesn't hit production hell. What and, does uh, James Hetfield play? Idiot on a horse? Hopefully a vampire. I'm telling you, if they would have had um, Danzig directing, I would have been completely in. Of course. Dude, I, I still haven't watched his Western movie. Is it out? Um, it, it screened a couple of times. I think they did the Veronica thing where it showed it like specific locations that Danzig felt okay in. Yeah. And then went streaming. Danzig was marked safe. Yeah, I, dude, it was a weird Q&A he did out here for because um, he showed uh, Veronica at uh, apparently the now safe um, Castro Theater. Have you heard all that shit? Yeah. About the Castro, what about they've it? been having local meetings all the time, trying to get the um, the seating arrangement uh, locked as a landmark because they wanted to gut it and put bars into the main area. Yeah, again, the Castro Theater out here is a giant movie palace, and they used to do a lot of big events. They'd have like Noir City out here. They would show great double features of like genre films. They had great programming. Randy and I saw Martin Scorsese there. We all saw the Coens there. Oh, oh, yeah, that's I also right. saw Paul Thomas Anderson there that Clark didn't end up going to. Correct. Why? I saw, but I saw James L. Brooks there. I saw Danny DeVito there. Yeah, and a lot of the locals out here really regard that as, you know, a place that you go to enjoy film. And it was going to get turned into kind of like another concert venue, if you're local, kind of like the Fillmore or the Warfield, more like, where they have different levels with bars on them, and they're like, dude, it's going to be fucked. So I think it got declared the seating as a landmark. They kind of already did that too. I went to, um, I saw Shangela there with Terrell and they already have like a bar upstairs and a bar downstairs. It's like very inconvenient lines, but they, they were talking about it. in the auditorium. Though. Yeah. That's a terrible for a movie theater. For a movie theater. It'd be weird unless you had like a different kind of vibe going, but whatever. It, it did get bought by another planet. Volcano. All right. Oh my God. We've been talking for a half hour. No, we've been talking for 25 minutes. Okay. Well, I guess we could start, I, you know, at least do the timestamp here. Um, today is Sunday, April 30th. It's 1 p.m. Uh, David Lynch is still gone for longtime listeners. He used to, he, we employed him. We Brand spent the whole show budget on flying him out here and uh, he stopped returning. Randy, can you put some like emotional music <laughs> here in the background? In post sure. We do. And um, we got a return of a segment. That I'll jump into right now. The return of segment. Are you ready? <clears throat> this is our this is our tag team debut again. Here we go. It's been a minute from the top rope. Yeah, but if you're ready, we can kick it off. Here we go. The TBR report. Oh my god, I had an intro. <laughs> I remember it's been so long. Where did I hide it? There we go. Welcome to the TBR Report, the segment where we take a closer look at the vast world of in-world camera cinema. Each week, 
Found footage filmmaker turned found footage adventurer Thomas Burke checks in from around the globe to share his newly found footage, his newly found found footage as the leading in-world camera philosopher and proud member of the award-winning Barbados Boys. I ingest the footage and spit out my wisdom. There's more. I have to scroll down. <laughs> Clark, what did Tom? <laughs> Clark, what did Tom write us this week? Thank you, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all got to see this new found footage film I checked out at Panic Fest this weekend called Blue Hour, The Disappearance of Nick Brandreth. True crime documentarian, God, true crime documentarian Olivia Brandreth was nine years old when her father disappeared. The official police statement was suicide, but nobody was ever recovered. 25 years later, Olivia has returned to her childhood home to finally get closure in an unrelenting attempt to set the record straight. Blue Hour chronicles the journey of a dedicated film crew in their search to figure out what really happened that night in 1997. Overall, this is just a really well-made mockumentary mixed in with some time travel and parallel dimensions. But if you like those types of movies just as much as I do, then you certainly won't want to miss Blue Hour. Link only available for 48 hours. All the best, Thomas. Blue Hour, the disappearance of Nick Brandreth. Um, now, Tommy Burke, I think he was getting a little antsy here. He wanted me to cover. He wanted to bring the TBR back. He's out there traveling the world, doing a lot of hard work, and he wants to reap those rewards. And our platform is how he does it. You just got to listen to 40 minutes of watch talk, and then we get deep into found footage. You no, I, started I, that. <laughs> It's fine. I liked it. You know, maybe we should put a, um, from now on, instead of compromising our fantastic table talk in the beginning, we should just put one little notch there where you could just skip it and get right into the fucking meat of the film talk. Like the blue hour, the disappearance of Nick Brandreth. Brandreth is a name that I said out loud alone three times just to make, I'm like, Brandreth? I don't hate it, but it is, it is a little weird. It sounds a little Western. It doesn't ring as true. Or Brandreth and the Boar. But, you know, now that I've watched the movie, it does kind of signal to the genre. Um, IMDb has this movie as drama horror sci-fi. And I think Tom did a great job in the email. Kind of saying, man, if you like a sci-fi, you know, this is your movie. I I don't love sci-fi. I think I'm one of the, the found footage people who had kind of a hard time with Chronicle. Like, um, I always think of why are we doing an in-world camera thing? And Chronicle Now is a little interesting because it's kind of like, what if an up-and-coming superhero documented the journey? And that's interesting, but I don't think, I think the heart of that story would be kind of the drama of, like, relationships, looking at, I, I honestly, um, what is the movie that I love with the evil Superman? I can never remember the Brightburn. name. Brightburn. Brightburn, thank you. Brightburn did a great job of, othering humanity where that boy was like you're a bug and i am a god and we're not the same even though you're my mom and i think chronicle should should have taken a stance like that where it's like now i'm no longer human i'm better because i I think there would be a lot there and if you're self-documenting you could do a lot now this film is um we're taking a true crime route and we're looking into the disappearance of a girl and we have a documentary crew and they're kind of hitting all the beats and it's indie. Uh, there's a lot of heart. It's an hour 40. And in the third act, 
we get into the sci-fi. The reason I mention it's indie is because it was an ambitious thing they're doing. We're dealing with um, some fantastic uh, VFX in a kind of simple, like imagine we have video of uh, a cult. They're wearing kind of like uh, spirit shop robes and they're in the woods, but there's a door just in the middle of nowhere and the door opens and it's just black. And this is kind of an easy visual image for an indie film to have. And they do a great job with it. And we're dealing with other dimensions and time travel, like Tom mentioned. The thing is, we get to go through that door in the third act. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but it, it's very under the skin. Like we're doing kind of a like, how do we visually portray a out of body kind of surreal experience? And, you know, they go for it and I commend them. And when I was done with the movie, I was kind of like, okay, that was cool. It's really not my cup of tea. And then I got a DM about it as uh, Tom has, to, you know, he really is the found footage adventure and he's gotten other people to participate in Panic Fest. Shout out to you and your digital programming. Uh, thank you for programming this movie. I um I think movies like these can really benefit from like an umbrella of in-world camera fans, like supporting them. And Tom, you're right at the front of that. So I was talking to somebody in the DMs, Rich, shout out. He also donated a couple movies to us. Um. And he started mentioning how the documentary format presents a chronological story. Yet, because we're dealing with time travel, he started looking at time codes and they didn't exactly line up. And he's like, there's an interesting thing here where this could be an error on the filmmakers or this could be an intentional in-world camera editor-auteur thing. Alexan, I know I haven't talked to you about this, but it's pretty good because you start to think all documentary is there's some form of manipulation. Again, like if you have a dude in a white lab coat in front of a bookshelf, you're implying that they're smart and professional, but they could be anybody. You don't know. And if you add in time travel to a true crime story, and in this, there is an interesting thing. They do a little bit of a um, spinal tap. Where in Spinal Tap, you know how the drummers kept dying? Yeah. In this movie, a cam light spoiler, a cameraman gets killed. And uh, they replace him. And the dude they replace him with feels like a fucking FBI plant. Like just the way he acts and the questions he's asking. And when you go back and look, there's a timeline change. I don't know. There's something really interesting here. But if you're not a like hardened found footage fan, I don't know if you're going to be if you're going to engage with it the way that this movie kind of deserves, honestly, thinking about it, if you're somebody who's into something in the dirt, again, I think Randy is an aesthetic person who might've been into that movie, but that movie didn't click with you. Right. And we're talking about the, the Justin best, Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead film, which yeah. is like, it's kind of quirky, very indie. And there's a lot going on, but if you don't give a fuck, then you're just not going to give a fuck. But I like synchronic. That see that movie's a little bit more um I want to call it superficial because of the the type of content we're talking about now. Yeah. But um yeah, these are for like if you want an ARG to dig through, blue hours there with something in the dirt. Something in the dirt's a little bit more polished, but something here's the other thing. Blue Hour was only available in Panic Fest. I mean, I literally had a a self-destructive time. Like the link Tom sent me wouldn't work after 48 hours. So um had that feel, having that pressure on you. Hey, dude, honestly, it helps. 
I, I don't think we would have this podcast right now if you didn't put the pressure on it of like, what, you gave us like a month? Hey. How do you think we make diamonds, baby? <laughs> exactly, dude. So um, keep an eye out for it. You know, if I hear anything about a release date, I'll be sure to mention it. And Tom, help me out there. I mean, he's really got his pulse on the found footage veins. Is that, is that the term? He's got his ear on the rail of the found footage train. Oh, not that third rail. Not the third rail. Not that though. third one. Stay away from that one. Um yeah. Russell, I have a, a follow-up question. Yeah. Um, did you partake in any other? Did you take a, a peruse um, around at all under with Panic Fest and what they were offering, or because no. you were under the gun of this forty-eight hours? No, I just jumped right into that. Okay. Yeah, I would have liked to look. I've never heard of Panic Fest either, but um, you know, did you have the opportunity to do that, or it was just for the one ticket? I just went in there for the one. Okay, I had a link to the one, and I'm like, fuck, if I don't do this right now. Because, you know, it was a very difficult process. I had to go upstairs and get my wallet. I had to get my card out. I understand. And I was like, Oksana, can you just do it? And she was like, if you're going to do this, put it in. So I know this is a new exercise for you because I think you've paid for things like four times in your life. I know. I can't. Again, (laughs) if money burns a very large hole in all my pockets. And uh, I know I've been with you in public. I'm the type of person where if we went to a, if I went to that watch convention with Clark, hey, I'd be I, like, Clark, you really want that watch? And he'd be like, Nah, I don't need it. I'd be you, like, I'll buy it for you. You would have, <laughs> I would have walked out of there with that one we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I can't do it. So I'm, I'm glad that you were not there with. Me. Yeah. Anyway, um, the yeah. snake in the Garden of Eden. Blue Hour: The Disappearance of Nick Brandreth. Uh, keep an eye out for it, and um, we'll try and keep you up to date. This concludes the discard. Now, during the watching of that movie, did the name Brandreth uh, ever wear on you? Did you ever? Did I don't it? really remember. I honestly, I felt a couple of, I didn't like um, one of the actors in the movie. I felt like it was very flat and there was a lot of opportunity for like emotional, um, emotion to come through. And I couldn't tell if he was doing like a robotic, like, I don't care because I'm a true crime hard person or if it was just like not a great performance. Yeah. So I, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I, uh, I've been, Oksana has been bringing me under her wing as far as editing. And I've been looking into a lot of, uh, theory in editing. And I know I always put Randy on the spot talking about, um, uh, Soviet montage, like Eisenstein's theory. Sure. And it's been kind of in my head. I feel like there's a really good argument. Randy, did you ever study like Soviet montage? Uh, a little bit in a film class, but yeah, just maybe like, you know, a small section. Same. There, there's a theory in there. It's called, um, constructivism, constructivism. Yeah. And it's the idea that the art is the, the construction of the art. So there's a, um, building that was never built, but they had the architecture, like blueprint, the 3d model. And it kind of looks like a crazy roller coaster that's on its side. And everybody's like, this is a perfect example of constructivism. and they're like, you know, you wear the construction on your sleeve and it's a hard concept to understand. But I think found footage is actually a, the perfect medium for it. Because you, when you put a, a glitch in or when you put in a hard edit and you're really signaling to the construction that a character made, like this is honestly the best visual medium for it. So I was kind of wrapped up in that where I'm like this for this documentary to feel like a real documentary, 
it has to feel like a documentary. Sure. So yeah, the way they build it is important. I don't. Well, that's how they come. Wait, what? If you build it. Oh, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know. I know I'm in the weeds there. And again, Soviet montage is different from French montage because their montage is like how a story comes together. Soviet montage is more like uh, they have this whole idea where film moments, like moments in the movie can be constructed into a language, like an alphabet more or less. And that you can build, you can move things around and build different kind of phrases out of it. So, you know, again, the thing that I would always bring up with Randy is you have a actor with a kind of expressive look and then you cut it to cake and people are like, oh, he's starving. And then you cut it with a dead body and they're like, oh, he's grieving. And then you cut it with a nude girl on a couch and they're like, oh, he's lustful. That's the whole idea. Like it's the construction. Cool it's a, shop effect, dude. Yeah. Yep. It's a Soviet montage of heck. <laughs> nice. I like it. Sorry, again, I'm done. I won't. Actually, I'm totally going to bring that up again later. I love it. Now, Randy Michael, before I throw it to you and and your movie choices for this week, I I think it's a good opportunity uh, to talk about um, Barry on HBO. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm doing this on purpose. I I I don't think people understand how good this show is and what it's become. And just, you know, it's a really good story they've built over there. And for that character to start out, I mean, you know, we know that he's that he was a hitman. The show starts as that, you know, he kills people. But this is not unfamiliar territory. Um, You know, there are plenty of, of beloved television characters who engaged in nefarious activities. Uh, Tony Soprano being one of those. And it's good that you have this sort of moral ambiguity at the core of your character. I always enjoy that. But now that Barry has gone full heel and is also um, out of his mind, it adds a different element to this show. And yet it's still one of the funniest things you're going to see on TV while ripping your heart out at the same time. So uh, season two, we're like, what, four episodes in, Randy? Uh, Something like that. Was it season three? This is season four. (laughs) It's the last season, whatever that is. There there was like a hiatus with Barry for a little while. And now it's back. And Russ, I'm telling you, man, it's some of the best. It's some of the best stuff on TV. Um, One of the, and all I'll say is that uh, they've had some very good cameos this year. He had Guillermo del Toro show up as a hitman called the Penguin. Yeah, I mean, come on, he and he was incredible. It's just, it's great. So it's not based on anything real. No. Okay. I thought it was just the comedy. I thought it was actually like a sitcom, three camera setup comedy. Oh no, 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 yeah. no, no. Uh, well, you know, I think you like Hater, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, Hater and. And you can see all of his film influences there in the course of the show. And Alec Burke, who is also the co-creator and uh, created Silicon Valley. Um, and you can see their love of film uh, in this show. And uh, it also, just the craft, like uh, that episode, Randy, was it season, was it season one? That was like uh, the, the, the mutant power girl. Oh, uh, yeah. 
mutant power. Oh man! But they have like creature of the week shit. Mm, it it just had its own little uh, okay. fantastical universe. It's set up in the yeah. I don't know, man. They it I, just they don't make they don't make false moves over there. It's great. Agreed. Yeah, great direction. I think Hater directs uh, several episodes. I don't know yeah. how much or if he's is he directing this whole last season. I thought I heard that might have been a thing, but. I can't remember. He directed a couple of the big ones, and uh, he's dude. He's bringing it, man. It's uh, it's just a great show. Everybody's talking about Succession, as rightfully so as they should. Also, uh, big news on HBO. I don't know if you, um, we can. Uh, this this is not breaking news. This okay. Is, this, well, it's kind of breaking. It's older, but um, essentially, they're getting rid of HBO Max, and it's just going to be called Max. Okay. And yeah. HBO is basically just going to be a brand under that brand. And so to access HBO, you have to go through something else and not HBO. And to be honest with you, I fucking hate that. Why? I don't get it. Because they just don't see it as um, it's just a subsidiary to all these brands. Like two brands basically own all the brands on the earth. Okay. Especially with like media. And so it's all gross. And there's, they don't care about, um, you know, institutions. And uh, HBO is an institution. And I don't like that it's being fucking swept under the rug. It's gross. I think, I man, HBO is top notch. They do things right over there. Mm-hmm. We need I think HBO. HBO is still a thing. Just HBO Max, their streaming service is now just going to be called Max and you could go to HBO things from there. Sure, sure. That was what I'm saying. But it's not the headliner. It, it's not the... Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? That's wrong. They got, the, uh, they got the TCM hub on there. They got uh, Adult Swim shit on there too. So I, I guess that's kind of what they're trying to do, be a hub for all these other different networks too that also includes HBO. And that's what I'm saying. HBO deserves its own thing. Sure. Yeah. HBO has produced some of the best things we've ever seen on this planet. They need their own space. So, fuck the corporate world. I have spoken. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Now, Randy Michael, um, yes, despite sir. this very exciting HBO news and, and all the fun stuff that's happening over there, Barry and Succession. Also, Perry Mason. Perry Mason is great. Season two just ended last Monday, and I think I'm the only person on the planet who watches Perry Mason, and it's good. Randy, your thing. Never seen it. Randy, you would like it. Yeah. It's noir. Who's in it? The guy who was in uh, the Mr. Rogers movie. Who played the journalist? Tom Hanks. No. He played the journalist. He's a very good actor. He's very good. He's from okay. Wales. But he does good English. Matthew Reese. Matthew Reese. Also, Randy, uh, our guy Shay Shay uh, Wiggum is in there. Okay. I like him too. Yeah. I might show. be down. Catherine Watterson. Okay. Yeah, I'm down. All right. She's season two. She's not season one. You got to get through season one. Also, there's a lot of dead babies. In season one, <laughs> so much dead baby with yeah. uh, there were stitches over their mouth and, and baby eyes. So if you can get over a stitch dead baby, then you can survive Perry Mason season one. Randy, please uh, yes, interrupt me from talking. 
Sure. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I was hoping this would be my week to catch up on both movies you talked about last week. Uh, I did see one of them that I didn't plan on talking about, but, uh, I saw Bo was afraid and I, uh, I think I like it. I don't think it's my favorite Ari Aster. I think it's my, I think it's my least favorite of his three. Really? But I, I still really like it though. Your least favorite. Yeah, wow. like I said, I, I, I do kind of want to see it again in theaters because, like I said, I have been kind of sick this week. I took some, uh, you know, some drugs before I went <laughs> uh, to feel a little bit better. Did you puke? And I, no. Okay, And I, uh, I wore a mask and I was a little bit sleepy during the first, like, 45. Um, you had a lot going but, on, dude. Yeah, but uh, I think I like it. I like, I like long, three-hour-long movies where it feels like a studio just gave someone a shit ton of money that they're not going to make back most likely uh, and just see what they got going on. See what they got going on in that head. You know, you got some weird shit you're trying to deal with. You got some mommy issues or daddy issues like in a uh, blonde. Uh, Hell you want to work that issue. shit out. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Uh, a lot of incredible sets. I love the animated sequence in uh Bo is afraid. It was, I was like the most peaceful part of the movie. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of peace there. No, it's not. A, I, I know people that hated it and s- said that it's kind of like a waste of time. See, and this, I don't disagree with their opinion because, you know, I could see why. Like some people just aren't, uh, I don't know, it's just not some people's thing. And I totally get it. Like it's not a movie that invites you to like, it's not a very inviting movie that like, you know, you want to uh, stick around for maybe uh, some of the things. But Randy, like, did you, do you understand why I say it's like an American language foreign film? Uh, yeah, sort of. Cause like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a $50 million art house movie. Yeah. And it, and we don't really see that over here. So yeah. I think that that's the thing, man. It's like, why would, why would general audiences, why would they care about this? It's it's a strange, unwelcoming, unwelcoming movie. <laughs> For sure. And uh, uh, there was a guy about three seats to my left. And at the very end, he just audibly said, that fucking sucked. <laughs> and I was like, hell yeah. Dude, I'm sorry, Randy. I flew out to watch it. I was very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, kudos to that guy. He stood through the whole thing. He deserves to I say know. that. I got no problem with that whatsoever. All right. Is it harder to sit through that movie or skin him around? Skin of a ring. Okay. Because that audience at the Alamo, I felt, again, they were prisoner. And But th- th- <laughs> even like, th- that's a part of Skin of a ring. I'd say the same thing with Inus Men or whatever. Like, I think that's a part of the thing. And I don't necessarily think that's with Bo Was Afraid because okay. Bo Was Afraid is much more um, 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 proud with itself. Um, it's, it's, you know, but it's not... Randy, I wouldn't say it's nearly as cute as I thought it was going to be. No, definitely not. Um, you know, th- there is, I, w- I want to. Honestly, it could have been a little cuter. I want to back up <laughs> to you calling it a domestic foreign film. Yeah. And uh, I, I really like that because it comes down to that idea of you're a lot more loose with other people's money. And what you're articulating there is in like every other country, they have government art money. So when you get that, you can be fucking wild with it and nobody's going to check you. But if you're in America, you're using private money. So if you're going to do some weird shit, 
I guarantee you there are probably three dudes like, what the fuck are you doing? And that's why that's why I love that part of it. Yeah. Does it fully succeed? <laughs> I don't I don't know. But uh, the, the fact that I think we need to celebrate that this thing's getting made. Yeah. Because I think that that's for what I think it's a good thing. Um, Who is distributing it? Is it A24? A24. Okay. Well, here's the other yeah. thing. Let me tell you, they're probably making real bank off the back end because with like the Green Knight, they made that tabletop game. And I don't even think anybody who bought it's going to play it, but they bought it. I bought it. It's like a, what, $40 add-on? Uh, Midsomar, they did a, a, it's a movie I don't love, but I bought the limited edition like Digipack they had. So they're making their money. because Well, they because they have a top tier understanding of branding and yeah. marketing. Yep. Um, and the and they fully have married those two things together with art and commerce. Well, here's the other thing: like horror was a niche like community, right? But then there's conventions, there's a lot of merch. Now, if you like transition horror a little bit over into art house, there's a brand new market because nobody was making gummo merch. You know what I mean? You could is now. There's some really good gummo merch. Oh, now about. yeah, because everybody can kind of make anything. Yeah. But like officially licensed, like you can't get like a 3D model of a kid eating spaghetti in a tub. Sure. But you know they would do that. A24, they made the fucking bear. Like they're they're tapping into this weird fandom for art house film. So power to them. I mean, honestly, I can imagine a fucking 3D storybook from Bo's Not Afraid or like. Uh, I don't know, a Lego building that is surrounded with anxiety or... You know what the, uh, the pajamas? Yeah, the pajamas do, he wore? You can market the fuck out of they it. They could do that. All right. Uh, anything else about Bo's Afraid or we'll just move on to the next one? I think we're good. Yeah. I liked it though. Like I said, I think I want to go see it again even though I spent three and a half, almost four hours in the theater. But I, I, I would do it again with less tired. Now, were you there? Did you have a uh, a fully reclining chair? Yeah, but I didn't recline, but I did use the uh, seat warmer. Oh, seat warmer? Yeah, dude, the AMC is nice out here, dude. I don't think I like a seat warmer. I get wet back there. (laughs) (laughs) It gets muddy. Um, I think we had a, uh, at the Regal, right? I just remember Oksana's seat warmer being on and then you couldn't figure out how to turn it off. No, there was a seat warmer in... Vegas theater where we saw the new Candyman. That's right. And you were panicking. No, it's I thought April. it was weird. I remember you being like, how do I turn this off? It's I getting wanted, off. No, in the 4DX, I wanted to turn off the little puff of air that goes on the back of your oh neck because that's it would what, just scare me. It wasn't fun. That's what you're paying the $80 for. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I couldn't turn it off. All right, Randy, what else you got, Doc? Yeah, uh, yesterday while I was just sort of sick and lounging around the house. I uh, was going through the, uh, the VOD options rentals. And I uh, found a new movie with uh, Jim Gaffigan called Linoleum directed by Colin West. Uh, I think this premiered at South by Southwest this previous year. Um, And essentially uh, Jim Gaffigan's character, his name is Cameron and he is a, uh, you know, older gentleman who uh, is very, uh, into space and he hosts like a child's like TV space show, kind of like Bill Nye type of thing that he does like out of his garage with like a, you know, he's got like a pretty like cool, like setup, uh, set and lights and stuff. And, uh, he's been doing this TV show for a really long time and he used to work, uh, with his wife on it, but she doesn't really 
work on the show anymore and that uh they're actually like about to get a get a divorce um so he's kind of like you know in this little like uh I guess not midlife because he's probably a little bit older, but sort of like a midlife crisis uh, type of thing. And then one morning, yeah. Uh, Rhea Seahorn? Uh, yeah, she play Rhea Seahorn okay. plays uh, his wife. Uh, and she's very good in this too. But um, yeah, one morning, uh, Jim Gaffigan uh, is outside his house and um, a car falls from the sky and crashes in front of his house. Um, just very like, it's, I think this is in like the first like five minutes. So it starts off like, pretty cool actually the first like scene you see like an old sort of like retro like 80s like tube tv and you see uh jim gaffigan as the uh the kids tv show host like science tv show host and it starts off like pretty pretty cool and stylish and then you uh yeah see this scene like pretty early on where the car falls out of the sky and there's this dude in the car that looks like a younger jim gaffigan a little more you know attractive and so jim gaffigan is playing two roles in this movie, uh, two like quite different roles. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like, he's kind of just weirded out by it. It's like this dude in this car fell out of the sky and, uh, crashed in front of the house. And he like, looks kind of like me. And then they see him like on the news and in the newspaper the next day. And his wife is like, that's weird. Uh, like kind of like doesn't believe him at first. Um, but then yeah, essentially, uh, this guy and his, kid uh move into the house next to them um which is rather strange considering they look very much alike um and jim gaffigan and Rhea seahorn have a daughter and she meets the uh son of the uh the doppelganger she beats the son she meets the son oh thank you so much and uh yeah they're like uh you know like young sort of like high schoolers and they uh you know they they start sort of a a friendship uh, and stuff. And like I said, uh, Jim Gaffigan and Rhea Seahorn's character, uh, are in sort of like the midst of a divorce and stuff. Um, so this is kind of like a, it felt pretty, pretty Sundancey, um, definitely cute at times, but it got like the family drama stuff got a little darker than I was expecting. Um, and yeah, it's, it's light on the sci-fi. Like I said, there is a doppelganger, there is a, uh, car that falls from the sky. And afterwards there is a, uh, some sort of like space junk, like rocket falls out of the sky. That's supposed to be like Russian and lands in their backyard. And then like the government comes in and is like, you have to evacuate your home. You have to like stay in a hotel or whatever. You can't touch this rocket. Uh, But Jim Gaffigan wanted to be an astronaut, um, you know, when he was younger and now he just does his like science TV show. So he essentially goes back into the house and takes the rocket and wants to try to uh, build his own, build his own rocket and uh, go into space uh, with it. Oh, he's mentally deranged. Yeah. It's adorable. Um, but yeah, it's a, <laughs> like I said, it's a, it's definitely kind of cute at first. Um, but I was rather surprised the sort of like emotional route that it took. Uh, it's pretty good. I don't know if it'd be really a, uh, a recommendation for Russell. It might be a little too cute for Russell. Um, but yeah, Jim Gaffigan's great. Ray Seahorn is really good. Uh, the kids are really good. And, uh, yeah, I had seen that this was playing at one of the, uh, at the landmark theater out here a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, just saw the poster. didn't know anything about it. It's like, that oh, looks kind of cool, but I think it was only there for like a week. So, uh, I missed it there, but, um, yeah, it was a, it was a solid, solid, uh, rental. And by that, I mean, 3.5 stars. <laughs> and that half a star, that was a bump. Cause, uh, Tony Shalhoub was in there. 
Yeah, and Michael Ian Black shows up in a scene too. He was good. And he's funny. Yeah, he's he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he and Marin have beef, and I'm Team Marin. Oh, do they? Well, thank you, Randy. Uh, we don't care about Marin on the show, but thank you for warning me. I will not be watching the movie. Yeah, I don't know. You 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 might dig it, but yeah, I have a feeling it's a little too little too Sundancey. I'm not into the meat cute. Randy, we need to do a trade off. I really wanted you to watch Agnes. You never did that. Last it's week in my when Hulu queue. Still. <laughs> oh, is that a new segment? What the hell was that? A ritual? Randy's Hulu Randy's yeah. Hulu queue. <laughs> um, last week I covered a movie called uh, "You Are Not Alone," which was the found footage mumble mumble core. Thank yeah. you. I every time I think of mumble core, I think of mumble Corey. So I almost I always want to because that's a Randy thing, you know, like a meat cue to mumble Corey. They're all the same. I never made up the meat cue thing. That's been a thing for decades. <laughs> Screenwriting 101, dude. I'm gonna put that in fucking Wikipedia. Made up by Randy <laughs> Stat. <laughs> Please do. All right, Randy, anything else? Uh I'll, I'll basically skip this other one I had because we talked about Bo is afraid, but I watched that uh alien documentary, uh Moment of Contact. Uh James Fox was on. Uh, a very uh, not so popular podcast called the JRE, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I watched. Yeah, nobody listens to that shit. It's a uh, a documentary about the uh, Virginia Brazil uh, UFO incident encounter that happened in 1996. Which is there's very interesting uh, sort of accounts from people since it was like pretty recently. Uh, it happened pretty recently. You know, 96 isn't super long ago. There are people that are still alive that. Uh, you know, saw things that they can sort of, you know, tell people about. And there's like multiple groups of people that all kind of have similar stories. The one thing I thought was really weird is that a lot of people said that there was this very like strange toxic smell that like uh, was around the craft and or the potential, uh, you know, aliens or whatever was removed from the craft. It's a seat warmer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that apparently like the smell lingered for like 20 days. Like people couldn't get rid of it, which is very weird. Same thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like there's no really like hard evidence, obviously of, uh, you know, what people saw, but the accounts from people are very, very interesting. Uh, I don't know. It's one of those things where like you're watching a, you know, a documentary and you're just like, I, I want to believe people that look like they're having a very emotional experience retelling something that happened to them. So it's kind of hard to like, you know, call BS on it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. This whole like community in Brazil, like is very like embracing of the, uh, the incident. Like there's like a, a monument, like a UFO monument thing there. So it's like very much like in the culture now too. Um, so I don't know. It, it's really interesting, but I don't know if you're looking for something to like turn you to a, a believer on UFOs, you know, I don't think it's really I don't know if it's really going to do it for you, but uh, I don't know if you're sort of interested or fascinated in sort of like UFO stories. Um, it's a cool watch. And I watched it for free on, um, with ads. I didn't have to pay for ads. Okay, cool. Was this a Tubi? It might be on Tubi. I watched it through Plex, uh, with ads and yeah, Plex, uh, maybe grabbing things from Tubi or stuff like that. Oh, Great Plex to be debate. <laughs> Only here on the Overlook Hour. Randy, you ever had a UFO encounter? Uh, no, I have not. Have you? 
Randy, have you ever eaten in a UFO, an unidentified fried object? Uh, no, probably the, I've had a, a, a deep fried Oreo before. That was pretty good. That's kind of saucer shaped. That was a hell of good. According to Rob Zombie, everybody's fucking in the UFO. That's oh, his yeah. best song. According <laughs> to a, a great uh, song, Workaholics episode, we're fucking aliens tonight. <laughs> I like the Rob Zombie better. Everybody. Yeah, everybody workaholics, everybody, they were talking about illegal. About UFO. <laughs> Dude, I listen to that song once a week. Oh, good. It's a good song. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll make this brief because we got another hour with Russell's picks, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hungry. <laughs> and also, we started at twelve; it's one fifty. Mm. <laughs> so, and yet the episode's <laughs> only going to be fifteen minutes long. <laughs> oh man, it's like you know, you put all that work into making the wine, and then vinegar comes out <laughs> the bottle. <laughs> what are you gonna do? All right. Uh, after, as we talked about at the beginning of this show, I had a wonderful watch adventure on Friday. Took off of work for something that I did not need to take work off for. Because uh, the, the watch convention is happening as we speak right now. Um, and even Saturday. But uh, I had to get in there first. Because it was kicking off at 12. Yep. So I had to get there at uh, 12.30. Yeah. Also, that was the, I made the perfect decision. Because there was a line down the block to mm-hmm. open the thing. Skipped all that, walked right in there like I own the place. Easy peasy. Um, that's true for all conventions, by the way. Yeah. If you go to Monster Palooza out there, like we went with uh, Terrell on a Friday, hung out with Tony Todd and Bernard Rose. Next day, you get in there as the door opens, line out the 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 main um the main hall down the hallway. You're like, whoa, dude, we were just chilling with them yesterday, so. You're on it, dude. I played it. I played I'm excited. It well. I'm ready for your watch adventure to go take you to the moon. X uh, the moon watch. Omega. <laughs> okay. I I set myself up there. There's a Snoopy uh, moon watch. I'll show you later. It's super cool. Snoop the wire. Stay tuned. That's going to come up in my talk. They didn't have a speedy. They didn't have a <laughs> moon watch. Okay. Uh, so after that, walked over Randy. I was in the, I was in the Soma district of San Francisco and and uh, made my way over to the rotting crypt known as the Metreon <laughs> in San Francisco. I I don't know what's happening over there. It's just it feels like it's it's just getting worse. And it used to be really cool. That, like I don't know if it was ever really cool, but I remember being really excited. To go I think there. everything in that Target is behind a a, a glass case. Okay, <laughs> like it's pretty rough over there. Now. Yeah. Toothpaste? Can you get toothpaste? And, Dude, I think everything is like, it's yeah. getting that way at tan for Ryan. Yeah. It's, oh, it's horrible. Anyway, uh, Fentanyl City, baby. Hell yeah. So, went in there, and, and also, uh, guys, I am, one of the, the, the I think one of the proprietary measures that, that we took on this show, and I I put a lot of pressure on myself uh, delivering to, to all of you, our faithful listeners for over seven years. I put a lot of pressure on myself, um, trying to give you who the best hot dog procurers are Mm -hmm. in, in the movie theater chain. And for long standing, it has been AMC. The AMC hot dog program has been top notch. I'm here to tell you that COVID has killed that. Yeah, they killed it. It is horrendous. I ate half of my hot dog. That was very sad. Wait, well, hold on. The condiment 
they, they, so they don't even have yeah. the fixing station nope. anymore. They don't even give a fuck. That's that's the thing. There's regulation. Is that COVID just opened the door for laziness and bullshit. That's all it's done. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. There's no fucking reason for them not to get back there to the top of the mountain where they were. Mm-hmm. I guess it means nothing to them that they were the best at what they did in, in terms of hot dog stations. Because now it's fucking garbage. Mm-hmm. Trash. Yeah. I, I was like there. I was like a peasant pumping the, the station. <laughs> huh? At least you had a pump. Whenever we would go to Out of relish, no relish. Oh, they didn't have a pack? No pack. Oksana's normally Empty that pumps. Now like she's- my balls. <laughs> Shooting out dust. Here, Oksana, she would have to go up and be like, hey, can I have mustard? And everybody's like, oh, God. And then they have to walk like through that giant empty lobby, go pull out a box and get a handful. And they're like, here. It's 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 getting depressing in there. It's uh, the ceilings. There's no reason the ceilings are that high. <laughs> and and they 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 could not give less of a shit. And that wasn't the way it was before. It was an, they they had a great hot dog program over there, and they have raped it. Oh whoa! <laughs> it's nothing. It is it's it's done. It's a half of what it used to be. Half a hot dog. Um, still, uh, happy to, happy to participate in their freestyle program though. Uh, the Coca-Cola, uh, the Sprite, Sprite has a new flavor, Russell. Oh no. Blueberry pomegranate. And it's fantastic. Who's that for? Me. I love oh it. I drank a whole big one. But yeah, but yours was diet. So you don't even diet. know what it really fucking tastes like. I love it. It tastes like blueberry and pomegranates. <laughs> with this essence of Sprite. All right. What did I see? I finally saw the Pope's exorcist all right now i i it was my responsibility to watch this because i feel like it would be a failure on us if we did not talk about the pope's exorcist because randy i didn't know this randy this movie's about father Amort. i didn't even yep. know this till i got into the movie yeah and then there's a quote and the quote is from father Amort. i'm like hey they quoted father Amort. it's on the poster yeah, exactly. Inspired by the actual files of Father Amor. That's what I bring to this show. No research whatsoever. I don't even read movie posters. Well, that's better than me reading it and then lying. It says inspired by actual files of Father Gabriel Amor, yeah. chief exorcist of the Vatican. So they so Russell Crowe plays Father Gabriel Amor. Um, now, we talked about this as um, for our listeners um, several years ago. Uh, God, what was it? Probably four or five years ago. Um, that documentary um, came out. Yeah. From Friedkin. Yep. William Friedkin made a documentary called uh, The Devil and Father of Mort following um, uh, this gentleman's uh, career. But it's basically what? One or two cases we kind of followed. Um, of him being an exorcist and, and just kind of a behind the curtains look at that whole yeah, it was uh, just cinema verte of the thing. Yeah. Also, we talked to Nick Groff about that. That was a fun conversation because yeah. even he was like, we eh. talked to several film. <laughs> we, uh, who else? We, we talked to Penny Lane about yeah, that documentary. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's it's been a while. Um, So for for him to get a a, um, you know, a big mall horror movie, you know, <laughs> So I, those words got mixed up in my head and it was just a, it was a bukkake of nonsense. Do you think he imagined being played by a uh, Russell Crowe? In no universe would I say, <laughs> but lo, let me be very clear. Russell Crowe kills it. 
<laughs> he is great. He speaks in Italian about half the movie. Wow. Um, he's fucking good, dude. Um, also, they make him look like the coolest guy on the planet. He's rolling around Italy in his fancy little Vespa, and they've got nice needle drops for him riding around town. Russell, we get two hard needle drops that I think you're going to be a fan of. Bad to the bone? At the beginning of this movie. Uh, so first, where we get a shining shot, all right? The families, okay. the family, we get a shining shot. They're in their little car. They're driving through the mountains, mm-hmm. and they go to their castle in Spain because they inherited it. And this is where evil lives, <laughs> and they didn't know it. And what's playing in the background? She sells sanctuary by the cult. Oh, what? That's, Why? That's how we open. Then we cut to Italy. And we got our cool, handsome priest roaming around there in his little Vespa. And what's playing in the background? It's a dirty job and someone's got to do it. Whoa, what? Faith no more, dude. Who the fuck put this together? This is your movie. It's like Father Amort. (laughs) 100%. You you hear that? And then he slides on his Vespa. It was a 180 turn. Dude, do you do you remember what Father Mort looks like? I know, I know. He looks like an old ball sack just, soaked in buttermilk. Just uh, Google it. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks it's like. It's funny. Uh, you know, Russell Crowe has a beard, and Father Mort has, like, loose skin that hangs down in yeah. a similar fashion. He looks like a testicle that is being preserved in milk. He looks like he exercises young boys of their uh, innocence. <laughs> He looks like Nosferatu, <laughs> but older and grosser. More grotesque. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Uh, th- didn't we lose him? He is a hero. He, dude. He did stop the devil multiple He's super times. cool. Um, man, I, I'm going to be honest. I really like this movie. It's fun. The worst part about this, no, no question about it, is the CG. The, the CG is, yeah. is not good. And the worst part about the CG is with the the possession part of it because they'll do they'll 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 modulate the mouth to where it goes way longer. Oh and it no! Just, they brought that back. Yeah, and it oh, looks bad. Dude, it looks bad, fuck? and they do it twice oh, at least. What was that like? Late two thousands when we started seeing yeah, that all the time. Yeah, where it's like, and their mouth just. So it's <sighs> it's kind of like the world's worst throwback, dude. It's kind of like they're they're doing a ghost face. Yeah, where it like drops. I fucking hate that. But I'll tell you, um, he carries this movie. He's charismatic. He's fun. He's cool, and uh, he's he's got he's got his own demons, which I think you know you have to have that in an exorcism movie. You've because that you know, that's what the devil preys upon. So we're hitting we're hitting everything we need to in your classic exorcism films <laughs> that you're looking for with um and you know I just uh I think for a a a big horror release called the Pope's Exorcist, dude, you can do a whole lot worse. I, this I had a I had an enjoyable time watching this movie. And I recommend, and I think that uh, you guys would too. If you know, it's just a, it's just a solid, nice little you know popcorn horror movie. I um I believe it came out the same week as Renfield, which is why we didn't watch it. And I did not see a fucking single trailer for it. 
But you saw it at what? Like WrestleMania, Rumble Royal? Uh, Oh, at at WrestleMania. They sponsored night two of WrestleMania. How fucking weird. Yeah. Do you think that was good marketing? Like with a pro wrestling crowd? Oh, yeah. So we got a lot of action in here? No, but like it's, uh, again, you know, uh, I told you about the CG mouth. Yeah. You know, come on. (laughs) That falls in the character. No, it's, it's, it's goes part and parcel okay. um, with that because it's it's a solid horror movie for the, the you know big popcorn movie like that now i will say at the end of the movie and i won't go into you know specifics All here, right. but we've been very good about that by at the way the end uh oh it kind of turns into a porn a bit of a marvelization okay um to where or men in black more specifically Aliens? Randy's on board now. What I mean is a a what I mean is is a cent- a centralized organization to fight otherworldly entities. Oh, oh, okay. He's part of it. Yeah. So they call him the Dalai Lama. And well, maybe not anymore after he got canceled. So, so the guy he's going to partner with on this, uh-huh. and they kind of set it up. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. We may get the Pope's exorcist too, boys. I don't know. But at the end of the movie, I will tell you this, at the end of it, because I enjoyed it <laughs> so much, they shake hands. Well, the guy that he's going to work with, he, he says, all right, let's get to work. No, no, he says, let's go to work. And then Russell Crowe says, let's go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like that? I don't know. It's fun. That's good. Dude, I, I, re- I enjoyed it. Five stars. Pope <laughs> Sergeant. All right, in my Hulu queue it goes. Now, um uh I don't know. I don't know if we we were going to oh, mm, All right, hit the retread. Hit the retread. Yeah, really? I guess. Okay. So, is the everybody retread? I'm just assuming. I had never <laughs> I'd never seen Event Horizon. Yeah. Until like two weeks ago, and then I forgot to talk about it on the show, and now I was going to watch something else, but uh, I don't want to talk about what I watched. <laughs> so I'm going to go back and talk about Event Horizon, because it needs to be talked about. Um, it's a good movie, guys. <laughs> Where have I been? Rand- been? Randy, have you ever seen Event Horizon? I think so, yeah. A long time ago. Randy, it's a good movie. It's, uh, there's black holes. <laughs> There's Sam Neill. What kind of watches they're wearing? Uh, I didn't. I didn't really notice any watches. I know. Uh, here's the problem. You know that I have space issues. <laughs> I do. Like I, personal, and, public. My and my space issue. My space <laughs> issues. You see. <laughs> I think they're centered around just hard science fiction. Okay. Force me to goddamn tears. Yeah, I'm on the other side of that coin. I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's just I don't. I need something else. I like things that pop. And hardcore science fiction doesn't pop. You understand? So, what I need is a crazy horror element. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly, it's a great marriage of what happens here in Event Horizon. Um. It's a horror movie before anything else. Yeah. It's masquerading as science fiction. And I think that's why uh, people are split on it critically for whatever reason. Uh, this is a damn good horror movie. Mm-hmm. And 
for it to be, you know, in the facade of science fiction, uh, I, you know, I, I'm all for that. Uh, Randy, what was that movie a couple years ago that I really liked with Ryan Reynolds and Gyllenhaal in space? It had like a bad name. Life. I think Wasn't so. It just called yeah. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible name. That's a great movie. They got um, because it did the same thing where you sneak in horror in this science fiction universe um, and you do it way better than it needs to. Um, now, let's, you know, Sam Neill, Lawrence Fishburne. Perfect casting yep. here because Lawrence Fishburne, man, I'm scared of him. And you put him as the captain of the ship. What he says goes. And I think they did a really good job of establishing, you know, who he is as a character. And he had some really good stuff in there. And at the end, I don't know. I, I thought he did a great job and they did a great job with his development. And same thing with Sam Neill, you know, creating, you know, the event horizon and how they unraveled that story was all, it was all great. Very good storytelling here. Um, and uh, I, the effect, I don't know. It's, it was good. Yeah. Why do people not like this movie sometimes? It's a good movie. This movie. Um, it's a horror movie. This movie's beloved now. It's fine. It's fun. It tanked, didn't it? I don't know. I, you know, I came to it late. Um, I believe, oh, God. I don't know. It's one of those movies that's got so, it's got such gravity of a fandom around it that I always get kind of like, I don't know if I want to approach this. I think that's why I stayed away. And I remember the last time me and Oksana watched it, I think was at the Alamo Draft House. Yeah, that was the first time I'd seen it. What, what, is, what was that thing they do there? It's called um, I'm like it's the secret show thing where they they you just show up and they have a shirt you can get and that's why we went because that yeah. shirt was cool. I remember. Look it up. You're a producer. Well, what are you talking about? <laughs> the Alamo Draft House. They do that thing where it's like, hey, just remember the Alamo. There we go. It was the second one they did out here. And dude, it's funny that you love it because they showed Event Horizon. I believe they showed Final Destination two. This was like we all should have went and watched all these. What was the other movie they showed? I can't remember. It was good though. Birth of a Nation. This was beautiful in the Alamo. I bet. Birth of a, they're not ready for that kind of horror in the Bay Area. Um, yeah, fantastic. And it really is a. There's a lot of biblical shit in there too. Oh yeah. So I think it would have been fun to watch with you because I can kind of get superficial Bible stuff, but from what I've heard people talk about here, it goes hard sci-fi, hard religion, and it's a cool marriage of the two. Also good effects. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. It's scary. Yeah, and there's supposed to be different cuts of the movie. There's a lot there. Um, I found a good uh, little blurb here. Uh, Although the film met with mostly negative reviews and a disappointing box office result at the time of its release, it amassed a considerable cult following over the years. Director Paul W.S. Anderson said that the movie's cult status was predicted to him years before by Kurt Russell. Oh. Anderson screamed Event Horizon before they started work on Soldier in 1998. And Russell said, forget about what this movie's doing now. In 15 years time, this is going to be the movie you're glad you're going to, you're glad you made. Yeah. 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 That's uh, from a veteran of that shit. <laughs> no one knew it like that guy. Yeah. He was, uh, he was Walt Disney's rosebud, dude. You, you know, it's funny. I feel like that moment may have like moved on too. Like, what if you now, if you're a director, if you make a weird outlandish movie that is uncompromising and very, like, true to it, your, yourself, is there a life 
in 20 years or are you completely forgotten? Yeah. Like, really? Like, what? I feel like you might actually be forgotten. We're all forgotten, dude. <clears throat> the only people that are not going to be forgotten are like Trump and Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be forgotten, too. Yeah. They will. I mean, um, who was it? Uh, Penn Gillette. No, not Penn. He doesn't talk, right? Teller. Teller talks. No, he doesn't talk. Penn talks. Penn Gillette was the one who said, you know, I'm pretty famous and I've made TV shows, done a bunch of movies, Vegas all the time. He's like, I will be forgotten in two generations. Yeah. Nobody will ever know I even was on this planet. And he was kind of taking down ego. He was like, live without it because it doesn't fucking matter. And I, you know, they're going to forget about Trump, believe it or not. Actually, you know, I've been thinking about history and uh, like long form. No, people got to eat steaks, dude. I think there is a thing to generational memory and like there's just some shit that won't change until the next generation. Ooh, Star Trek. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I went to watch um, Sisu at uh, the Metreon yeah. with, with the horrible hot dogs, Ugh. they were also doing a, a Picard, Picard, Picard. My dad would be so mad. He's yeah. such a fucking tricky. Your uh, Irish father. Yes. My, my once formerly <laughs> Irish father, uh, they were doing a Picard um, finale party. So we were in line Ooh. for Sisu where everybody's kind of like, is it a horror movie? It's a war movie. And then across people were getting popcorn buckets with like Picard's face on it. And they were wearing like, you know, the onesie. Yeah. It's not really a onesie. They have more of a formal wear. It's a shirt and a pant thing. But I was like, what's going on? And they're, they're having a party. So that's what the Metreon has turned into. It's a giant building where you watch Star Trek when it's over. A Picard party. A Picard party. Gross. I know. Anyway, I'm glad you watched that. I'm glad you brought it up. But this is exactly the type of movie that I didn't want to cover when we were doing the Overlook House. So much shit there. I feel like uh, there's probably a Laserdisc version that's different than the DVD one. Then there's a restoration and a sure. director's cut. and like. Well, that's why I wanted to sneak it in because I didn't want to talk negatively about all, uh, independent horror movies. I know. Would you really give it five? Event Horizon? Yeah. Mm, four and a half. Okay. What, what, Always room for growth. What What did it for you? What didn't? What? Why the half? There's always room for growth. Okay. You, there's something you wanted more. Not enough nudity. Um, they, uh, let's just call it, uh, they took some liberties in space. Oh, I thought you were going to say with the Bible. You're like, they misrepresented my thing. Also that. And uh, the Pope's exorcism nailed it. Well, you know, it's, a, it's more of a uh, relationship than a religion. Okay. <laughs> I like that. It's about that daily talk, about that daily walk. Um. All right. Is it my turn? Yes, sir. All right, I promise All right, we're to, the last hour of the I show. I promise to try and be brief. Um, how do I want to start this? Let's go back to found footage where I left Ooh. off. Um, me and Oksana were hanging out. We're just chilling. The boy went down to bed and we're like, like we're like, you know what? Let's hang out. That's not true. She yelled at me for playing too much Dead by Daylight. Again, if you want to play, hit me up on Instagram. Or that'll... And uh, she was guilty. Me. She's like, this is all you fucking do, you loser. And I'm like, you know, we just need a good old date night. I'm like, why don't you get in the kitchen, make some popcorn? I'll find a movie. <laughs> she looks. <laughs> so we hung out. I mean, all this is true. Maybe the delivery was a little bit different. I was pleading, please, please watch a movie with me. And I decided, let's watch this one. It looks like a train wreck. It's called Terror Eyes from 2021. Oh. Also, it was may have been midnight when we started this movie. And I'm like, you know I what? Guess. I love watching at midnight. A movie that's an hour and 18 minutes long and looks found footage. So we jump in terrorized at multiple stops on a road trip to Joshua tree. Three friends realize something unexpected is pulling the strings. Oh boy. That's how you write a fucking synopsis. 
this is probably that tells you nothing. The Joshua tree trip. I believe that's in the third act. And the movie is not about that at all. This movie. um, Oh God. How do I want to set this up? There's a dysfunctional family, three brothers. One of them had a tragic accident that was caught on camera. Uh, He was riding a bike and fell into traffic and was hit by a car. He became mutilated and started uh, wearing a mask all the time and a hood. Actually, I kind of like his getup. He looks kind of like a child Unabomber, but Hell but he's yeah. kind of got like tactical. Like he's got like elbow pads, knee pads. He looks like scary. Like if this kid walked in, you don't see his face. He doesn't talk. He's decided to go mute. And you're like, what's up with that motherfucker? Our main character is the middle brother out of this weird family. Also, the mom is one of the most trailer trash, vile. She's great. She's single? Uh, she, I believe she is. In the, no, because the dad's a drunk and that's a big part of it. The dad carries a lot of guilt for the young son falling into traffic. I don't know why. He's like, oh, I was drinking a beer when I should have been watching them. Ooh, it's like, what were you going to do? Jump in front of the... Really if I, I mean, yeah, but that's a, it's a terrible <laughs> thing to go through. You know, people got to put wherever they want. You know, I mean, That's fair. Um, put, yeah. The thing is, it's caught on camera. And I'm like, what would you have done? And the dad, I honestly think there's just some alcoholism that he's really good. Sure. Anyway, the middle kid, he's got a girlfriend. Everybody in the fucking world thinks his girlfriend is the most beautiful person. I believe her name is Lisa. She, I didn't like Lisa. And um, she, it's her boyfriend's birthday and he gets a new camera and he's like, oh, and you know, this is a found footage horror movie. In the beginning, we don't know. I'm like, oh, fuck, we got duped because you know, they're not holding a camera. And I'm like, oh, we're already into fucking hybrid territory. You're duped. Well, this is the beauty of the movie. The craft is paid high attention. The editing is beautiful. I'm not sure who crafted the final product, but I have a theory. And the main platform of what we're watching is a kind of um, in-between of Live Leak. Rest in peace. I know Live Leak, we lost you too soon. And and the dark web. There's a little in between. So imagine if there's a YouTube that was unhinged but had the the uh inspired fear in the normies like the dark web. And a lot of the footage we're watching is there. And they have an interesting thing where you could get a digital mask. So say Clark decides, um, you know what? I'm done living life. I'm gonna go to this watch convention. I'm gonna take as many motherfuckers out as I can. Well, if you wanted to document yourself. You could opt in for a digital mask on Terror Eyes, I believe is the website. And the, here's the thing. A digital mask, you're like, what does that even look like? Well, imagine like a deep fake, but it's like a goat head over you or like a bear head or whatever you want. Uh, hey, I would be a bull head because Randy and I are bullish. You're bullish. You're I bullish on murder. And um, <laughs> here's the thing. They look kind of cool. Where um, Father Amort failed in the Pope's Exorcist to have good uh, virtual effects. This one. They look kind of cool. And honestly, I, I might be out here alone, but the goat head digital mask, I thought actually elevated the horror. It looked kind of scary. And it kind of cued in the audience that, oh, this is a like snuff video we're about to watch. Now, I will say the movie didn't actually get that edgy, but it's fucking entertaining. And let me pull up his name because this dude, he deserves his uh, flowers. Uh, Clark, how do you pronounce that? Aristotle Georgeson. Aristotle, you are fucking fantastic. He plays um, 
Sammy Psilocybin. Dude, how good is that name? That's a good name. So he's a vlogger on this like dark web platform. So terrorized, he's one of the guys, he's editing it, he's pulling security camera, and he's all doing this because he wants, what's his name? Is his name Brandon? Uh, Brian. Brian. He wants Brian to pay attention to him. Let's go, Brian. Now, Brian's the guy I mentioned in the beginning, the uh, young Unabomber. Oh, yeah. So he's a mute, he's mutilated, and he's always filming. And he's committing he's crimes. A, he's a mutilated mute? He's a mute, well, I think he's mute by choice. That after choice, after the accident, he decided, I'm done talking. I'm going to talk with my camera. And oh, he yeah. goes on here and he uploads fucked up shit. There was a mute by choice. Uh, the young man in the Pope's Exorcist. Oh, mute really? By choice. Yeah. Probably inspired by this movie. Trauma because of his father died and he saw his father get impaled. <laughs> on the cross? Oh, well, no, a telephone pole. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it? it was final destinations oh yeah you see it's like it's actually i think it may be rebar but it's like straight to the back of the oh neck. dude it's i'm in rough how do you leave that out i'm trying you know uh, post exercise <laughs> okay so brian is the he's the goat on terrorize and again sammy psilocybin he's kind of like paulie shore but dude they nail that vlogger aesthetic Hell yeah. like he talks quick the editing's good he does a lot of like uh digital overlay and he's the voice for the community. And um, he really wants Brian to hang out with him. And Brian keeps telling him, dude, you're a fucking square. Leave me alone. This movie, again, okay, we're not even at the Joshua Tree thing. What happens is that middle brother, he's hanging out with Lisa, which is the girl that everybody thinks is the most beautiful woman on the planet for some reason. They um, are going to have a trip to a, they're going to, they're going to Coachella. And they're going to hey, see the you. band that um, they watched when they first got together. Now they meet up with their friend who I think is the more interesting of the two girls. She's this like little Latin girl. She's very horny for our lead. And it's weird because we don't have any context. I'll spoil it a little bit. They, uh, they had a little fling before. Sick. But here's the thing. This guy gets his karma because for whatever reason they didn't work out. And now everybody in the world wants to bone Lisa, <laughs> including a couple of greasers who feel completely out of place. They're just bullies. And they're popular on Terror Eyes. They're content creators, which oh. means criminals. They're big in the greaser the, the, corner. The, right? the, yeah, the, grease, the greaser corner of the dark web. And, dude, we have a lot of locations here. They, they kill a girl in a cafe. They drag her behind the counter. Again, the main problem with this movie, everything is off camera. This movie feels like it would Damn. be kind of like smutty. There's no nudity. It feels like it would be edgy. There's no... There's no really on-screen violence. There's a lot of gunplay. But man, this movie got reamed on Letterboxd. People did not like it. So at 2 a.m. when we were laying in bed, I couldn't help but write a long review about it. Because, <laughs> oh again, I'm thinking of um, Soviet montage theory. And this is a movie that's wearing its construction on its sleeve. I highly recommend this. This is fun. If you don't give a fuck about found footage, just dive into it. Also, when I posted this, Tom DM me and was like, oh, no, it wasn't Tom. Somebody DM me and they're like, I was going to recommend this to you, but I thought it might have been a little uh, divisive. I'm like, have you ever heard our fucking podcast? What are you talking about? Yeah. So I highly recommend this. It's very entertaining. Watch it with some drinks. Dude, you're not going to be bored. Also, if you've ever gone on vacation and uh, thought you might have had a home invasion happen in a hotel, that's a, there's a great moment where the hotel uh, front desk calls the room and they're like, Hey, somebody's trying to get an extra key made to your, your room. That's a scary idea that I've never seen come up 
in a movie. And they're oh, like, yeah. well, they're like, well, you didn't make it, right? And they're like, no, we didn't. They're like, well, who the fuck is it? Like, why would? Yeah, I'm just like, dude, I don't want that phone call ever. Um, again, terrorized. Also, I didn't realize until yesterday when I was talking about it while we were playing D and D, and I said the name out loud that terror e y e s. You know, when you terrorize. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this movie, <laughs> this movie's not. This sounds like a five star movie. They're not reinventing the wheel here, but man, I would rewatch this shit like tonight. It was a lot of fun. All right, That's I'm going to move on. Um, Randy, you're going to put this on your hero queue? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Again, here's another movie. Um, Fear, a much needed getaway and celebration weekend turns into a nightmare due to a contagious airborne threat. This movie's fucking weird. Terrell came over on Friday. We uh, were going to watch the Dracula Halfway to Halloween special, which was good. Very horror forward. Derek Mears is in there. Barbara Crampton. Uh, one of the girls from Ash vs. the Evil Dead who, who plays Kelly. I don't remember her name. A lot of people. It was fun. Not the best. Barbara Crampton did her thing, though. And we're like, let's watch a horror movie first. Fear. Um, oh, boy. Barbara's in here? No, not in this movie. She was in the halfway to Halloween thing from Dragula. Oh. This movie has a couple of people you may know. Uh, do you remember uh, 106 in Park? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got the uh, host. He makes an appearance. Oh, damn. Uh, we have T.I. He's in here. Oh, hey, uh, you can have whatever you like. So what we have here is a uh, who the fuck played the lead here? Yeah. Oksana, can you find? No, we have a very German looking white dude. Who's dating uh, Bianca, which is a uh, pretty black girl. And uh, he's bringing her out to the woods. And it's like, okay, what kind of movie are we watching? This seems like it's going to take a turn for the worse immediately. Yeah. Well, it turns out um, he wants to pop the question. He's got a ring in his pocket. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time I got here. one ring his in my Joseph, Joseph Sakura. So, uh, what up, Joe? He's what's the bottom right? Left. What's his character name? Mom. Okay, well, Rom, this guy, Clark, Rom is a uh, very white German dude. Click on his thing. Who, uh, he's acting a little black in this movie. And it turns out all his buddies are black. Oh, I know that guy. He was in Ozark. Okay, cool. He's not bad. He's a good actor. This movie, uh, you've confirmed. Oh, he was in Shutter Island, Ghost World. Okay. He knows what he's doing. The thing is, this script is a fucking mess. And I think this movie could have been crafted in a way that it would have found its audience. Instead, it made everybody mad. You want to jump on Letterboxd? Everybody fucking hates this movie. Now, I'm going to repackage it in a way that I think um, is more interesting. Uh, a large group of uh, black people show up for their one white friend who acts black, and uh, they're all from Detroit, three in the D. Uh, <laughs> me and Terrell <laughs> found this very, very amusing, three in the D. And... Um, <laughs> they show up at this clearly this house that could only be occupied by a witch. And uh, they're going to have a party here. It's a belated birthday that was supposed to be a wedding proposal. He botches it. This is the fourth time he's botched it. All of his friends are like, whoa, what the fuck are you doing? Dirty dog. Just ask the goddamn question. Anyway, they drink some wine everybody hates. They sit around a campfire, tell all their fears, their most intimate fears. Oh, and, I, I understand. Yeah, And uh, here's the thing. This movie turns into a, uh, there's a news broadcast. The pandemic's back, but this time it's worse. All the air outside is poison. It'll, it'll make you crazy. You'll get sick. You'll die. You need to stay inside. You cannot leave. My favorite character, who is the thickest girl in the house, 
who also had a child, said, I got a kid at home. I got to get the fuck out of here. And everybody's like, don't go. You're going to die. Didn't you hear the news? You can't. She said, I got a kid at home. I have a babysitter. Bye. I love you all. Stay safe. And she bails. We got a BBW MILF, dude. Dude. And I'm like, I'm like, please, (laughs) please, let's do a waxworks here. Can she make it? I just want her to live. We'll get back to that. Oh, boy. The house. Now, there's one guy. T.I. had a little cough. He's going. (laughs) And, you know, we're back in pandemic era. Did you think he's about to start, you know, spitting verse? (laughs) I hope. Instead, he hung out in his room and kind of brooded as one of the other members of this house goes. What's up with that fucking cough? We were all supposed to quarantine and test before we came out here. Now, mind you, this movie, it's after the lockdown. Yeah. So they're, and mind you, they're in, they're, they're in Tahoe. That's where the shooting location is. Very rural. They're all like, man, I know we did. He's sick. He's going to get us all killed. Uh, spoiler alert. They locked TI in the basement. Damn. Now, the news report did say that if you get this airborne infection, uh, the symptoms are paranoia hallucinations there was one more uh i can't remember but based this whole movie it's called fear all their fears come to life and at the end of the day it's about a portal witch their words not mine a portal witch shows up and steals the souls of people to stay young now can i can i say portal witch is i'm i'm on board me too and also this is a movie kind of about uh surrounding the hysteria of a potential pandemic so it's, it's like, okay, you're taking kind of a critical view on what happened in 2019. Yeah. That's interesting. Why is it buried in a bunch of unlikable people who turn on each other and they become their own worst enemy? Um, their fears dictate their lives. And I'm right. This all sounds like, mm-hmm. hey, that's kind of like real life. They fumble it. They fumble it fucking bad. The portal witch also who stays eternally young is old from the very beginning of the movie. <laughs> She's dude. The CGI is bad. The people turning on each other, you just want to reach through and like strangle them. Like, what the fuck are you doing? So T.I.'s um, fear when he was at the camp, uh, the campfire, he's like, my biggest fear is to be, um, how did he phrase it? He just wanted to be trusted. That people don't believe him. People don't believe me. That's his number one fear. Also, that's a privileged life if that's your number one fear. (laughs) So what happens? They turn on him because he had a little cough. They put him down there. And then again, the portal witch, she crawls out of a chest. I don't know why she's in a chest. And she makes him slit his own throat off camera. The movie is garbage. We were annoyed. It's one of those things where at the end of it, you're like, fuck, dude. But I'm sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, at the end of the film, one of the girls gets out and she gets all these text messages from my favorite thick mother that left (laughs) in the beginning of the movie. And she's like, the news was fake. I'm okay. Get out of the house. The air is fine. And it's, it's, all right. it's all right. It's, it's okay. okay. Jesus loves you. And the girl's like, no, because everybody just died and half of them killed each other. Also, they do a Freddy thing where it's like the way you beat the portal witch is just don't be afraid. Like, like just push through. No, it's all fake. Does the portal witch look cool? No, she looks like an old white lady. The true villain of the late or the early 2020s. So Karen. You know, I was trying to stay away from her. I should have gave her Karen. I did. <laughs> Dude, what, she had like long curly hair or something. She mm. kind of looked like a hippie. It was like a bob, but she just looked really like dirty. <laughs> she did. This movie. Also, I've never seen people who showed up to party complain about wine like they did in this. Like, oh, oh, man. Oh, don't. It's like, shut the fuck up. We sounds had- like an old rich witch in Napa. 
we've all had a bartender friend who gave us a drink and we're like, that shit was not what I would order at a bar. But I get it. You have an educated palate. Go to hell. Anyway, fear. You do- order fireball. Dude. <laughs> fireball with milk. Um, again, don't watch it. Uh, it was really bad. And man, there was an opportunity for something interesting there. They fumbled it. I'm into the, 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 um, uh, constructive or the critical look at the pandemic. I'm into portal witches. That may be my new favorite thing. Love it. That's my new favorite, uh, doom metal band. Um, and the cast was, go- man, they really fucked it up. Also the three and the D thing. Hilarious. I could not get over it. Again, I got one more movie. One more. And again, Randy talked about how he was in New York. They were living their scream fantasy with <laughs> East Bay cinematographer, Jasadi Perkins. Hell yeah. Who, um, shout out to you, Jasadi, for putting me on what is right now my favorite documentary of the year called King Vaughn Rap's First Serial Killer. Theo Vaughn? King Vaughn, not Theo Vaughn. I'm out. Um, this is from director Traplore Ross. <laughs> And here's the thing. Y'all want y'all like a three hour movie? How about three hours and 41 minutes? Oh, <laughs> shit. And uh, Randy this is a Gilligan Island. Randy in the rare DM sent me a quote from uh, his his legendary from his icon, his role model, Martin Scorsese, who said that uh, the image on the iPhone is the new cinema verite. And I believe I answered Randy. I'm like, it's about time he started listening. <laughs> When's David Lynch going to listen? No, <laughs> never. He won't even pick up the phone anymore. Um, now, okay, I, I know I'm being a little cute here. King Von Raps for a Serial Killer is on IMDb, but where the home of this documentary actually is is YouTube. So, Randy, I'm sorry. I wanted to trick you, and I brought in Martin Scorsese to do it. But I want to point out that, the, again, the, direct, the director is Traplore Ross, who is a white guy in Europe. So this is a four-hour YouTube documentary? And it's fantastic. Okay. Um, the thesis here is that uh, King Von, who is a very popular rapper, um, LeBron James was showing videos of him working out to his music. Uh, when he died, Drake put a memorial up to him. He's a dude from Atlanta who was just one of the scariest gangbangers out there uh, who got out. And he had the opportunity to be a mega famous rapper. But the thesis here is that, unfortunately, he was a serial killer. Mm. And the way you define that is you take pleasure in killing people. You do um, you murder people more than three times. You have to have more than three bodies. And there needs to be at least a month in between. And uh, this whole video is kind of an argument that he fit in there. Also, don't you need like a... a pattern or calling cards i think you need to i think that's what is wrapped up in taking pleasure like you need to really revel in the fact that you did this yeah well uh trill rap are you all familiar with this this sure i intended trill rap is a term i believe the slang is an idea of true and real it's a combined trill it just means authentic that that's what i put in the metadata for the show every week (laughs) A trill ass podcast. Hey, here, shout out to Mark Kate who came out to um us this year and gave an intro. So first off, scary thoughts. I don't mention them enough anymore. So you think a trill? You think a Mark Kate? No, they, good job, Mark. They did an episode on black metal where they compared black metal as the one like rock genre to speak broadly uh, that compares to rap, where authenticity is a huge component. Sure. And black metal, like and trill. It's all about like, what do you really do? 
Like death metal, we're talking about. I mean, go read some Cannibal Corpse lyrics. They're not actually doing that. Theatrics. Yeah. With black metal, and especially in the 90s. Um, oh, these fools me. Yep. And Invoking Yell is a movie that we world premiered, and it, they kind of touched on it. Mark did a beautiful intro. Anyway, shout out to you, Mark. Trill is the equivalent here. And King Vaughn, uh, lucky for us that he got on Twitter when Twitter was new. This motherfucker would tweet everything. And he, I believe in this, in this documentary, Traplor Ross refers to him as the king of self-incrimination. He just would put caught a new body. Um, there's, a, there's a term, and it came through in his music that he would always say, I'm smoking Tuca. And his music got very popular. So other rappers would start saying they're smoking Tuca. And, you know, it sounds kind of like weed. What he meant was Tuca was a dude he killed. And when he's referring to it as smoking Tuca, he means I'm smoking on your ashes. It's a disrespect. And this is the thing. Like, it became such a, like, colloquial term. And, like, it got the zeitgeist. People were imitating it without even knowing what they're saying. And so what they're doing is they're echoing a murderer who's making fun of a rival gang. I highly recommend you jump in here. Man, fuck you for this. It's so good. I, I know, I know. And I don't need this in my life. But here's the thing. Now, if you want to make it Four hour YouTube document, what are you doing hey, to me? Watch, watch it in parts. Uh, I did. I, 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 it's Sunday night. I have Succession and Barry. Now, here, I want to pivot into a, a conversation about film format. It's very now, the difference between a documentary of um, the olden days, to quote Paris Hilton. Eris, Errol Morris does. <laughs> yeah. A traditional documentary and a YouTube documentary. Because this is the kind of shit I think about. He's, um, they're aesthetic, but they also come from the way you build them. Uh, Traplor Ross is a dude who is looking into and documenting stories of like rap culture. And a lot of it is gang violence, which my mom is a huge serial killer fan. Yeah. It's a weird thing to say. Most ladies are. And I was pitching her this movie and I had to, I really had to like do it. I had to like, I put on clips from it and I'm like, no, I really think he's a serial killer. And something happened. And in this documentary, at the very end, not a spoiler, uh, Traplor Ross compares him to Jeffrey Dahmer. And he says, you know, these prolific killers, they, Dahmer got away with it because he was killing people who didn't get the same kind of attention from the police that uh, other type of victims would. And a lot of people like to just make it plain, like white and black. But I really think it's a poverty thing. Like if these people had money, it doesn't matter what race you are. They'll, they'll look into it. Because you, you have some authority. Right. But if you're poor and getting killed, it, it doesn't matter if it's a trailer park or a project. And it definitely doesn't matter if you're a gangbanger. So this motherfucker would talk about shooting up people, talk about catching bodies, rap about it, have a hit go number 13 on the billboard charts, and nothing would happen. And it's fucking incredible. But I had to sit there and sell it to my mom. And I really had to make the pitch that he's a serial killer. Like he was doing this because he's like kind of evil. And the, the easiest way to do it is he didn't need to. He has. Okay, no, I'll do this. Back to the Cinema Verte and Martin Scorsese saying the phone is the new Cinema Verte. YouTube documentaries are usually built from somebody in a room using the Internet only. This is where they pull all of their footage and you get kind of like a flat talking head. But maybe it's more interesting than like a VH1 documentary because it's not just people talking you can pull a lot and in this documentary we have tweets we have live streams we have a lot of live streams and a lot of 
podcasts that are video. So you feel a full, full treatment documentary here. The, Self-incrimination. A lot of it. But a lot of it is speculation, too. One of the most interesting things that Traplor Ross mentions, which is his theory, is that King Von not only fits the mold, but wanted to be a serial killer. There are, there are um, interviews he did where when people would start talking about a beef he had, like, hey, um, uh, you know, Tuco and you killed him, he'll start eating cereal. And it's like, he's like, I might be out on a limb here. This might be crazy. But he talks about cereal a lot. And if you think he's just kind of like a... Now, here's the other thing. With Trill Rap, you might think like, okay, well, the authenticity is what elevated him. The sad thing is King Vaughn, he was a good poet. His lyrics are fantastic. And he actually kind of deserved the success he got as a musician. But at the end of the day, he always said, this rap thing might be over tomorrow, but I'm going to keep killing motherfuckers. He would just say that. He would say, I might be having fun on the internet, but don't don't try me in person. And the way he died... Um, this no, he's is, no longer with us. He's dead. Um, it's not gang-related. He actually got into a rap beef over a girl. And after his debut album, he uh, performed... And they were going back to the Airbnb. And last minute, he told them, let's go to this hookah bar. And the driver and his whole entourage were like, this was like out of nowhere. They're like, okay, fine. They pull up. He starts beating the fuck out of another rapper. The other, that other rapper who's getting assaulted out of the blue. His buddy pulls a gun, shoots him four times. And this is how we lose King Vaughn. And it's an incredible fucking story. And I can't recommend it enough. I'm so tempted to go into like the different approach of like documentary, but I think there's another time and I know we're running long here. How many bodies? Um, so here's the other thing. It's hard. So as he got more popular, he started getting careful. And the thing was, he's so fucking braggadocious. And the trill thing is all about authenticity. So he would be like, he would say shit. Like you can't say you're smoking anybody unless you killed them. And then later on, he'd be like, I'm smoking. And he would just put all these names out there. The popular, the, the ones that are, ever, oh, these are all alleged. He beat three cases of murder. So they never got him on a body, which is fucking incredible. They think seven people for sure that he's killed. Also, you know, earlier I mentioned Snoop from The Wire. Yeah. So she, um, a lot of people believe she was based on a real person. Uh, he killed her. And uh, a lot of their conversation is on Twitter. Is he Baltimore? He's Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. You said that. Yeah. And uh, here's Chicago, the thing. Though. Yeah. Um, it's their next door neighbors, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Randy's like, this ain't my hood. Here's the, Randy. Randy uh, can be in the Witty City in a half hour. They have a King Von mural out there. You got to go down there and take a picture of it. I bet. I just looked at the uh, hookah lounge that he was uh, shot at, apparently. It's pretty close to a venue yeah. I go to occasionally. Yeah. Uh, Randy, be careful. <laughs> Don't worry. King Von's gone. And here's the thing. He sound like a piece of shit. Well, that's, that's what they're talking about. It's like, you know, gang warfare. Nobody even blinks an eye. And it's the idea of you choose to live outside of the law. This is kind of what you get. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's gang violence. The problem with King Von is he was elevated out of there. He had a ro He had millions and he kept going back. He literally, you know, instigated the fight that got him killed. It's like Aaron Hernandez. 
you know, same thing. Yeah. The uh, the tight end of the former tight end of the um, New England Patriots, you know, he never could get away from that. Yeah. And you know, it, here's the, going to prison. And here's the thing. Himself. Now it's interesting the world that we live in now because you might be able to make an interesting little feature about Aaron Hernandez just based on the shit he put in social media. Because when you're that fucking authentic and you want people to know, you flaunt it. So this movie, not only do they have real news broadcast, do they have podcast video, do they have live stream, do they have Twitter? Like, honestly, the the beautiful thing about this craft here is just the research and documentation. Like, literally, somebody will be shot up at a bus stop and they'll be like, a half hour later, King Von tweeted an emoji of a goat. And then later in this lyric he wrote years later, he said, like, caught a body at a bus stop. I'm the go, you know, like literally tying it together. So I know we want to kind of dismiss YouTube documentarians, but I really think uh, uh, Trap Lore Ross is doing something special here. And like, here's another thing. I know I'm I'm going to wrap this up, I promise. But he did a 10 minute video on DaBaby shooting somebody at Walmart. DaBaby. And we all remember that where people are like, Oh, DaBaby got canceled for being saying some stupid shit on stage, but he fucking killed somebody at Walmart and nobody gave a fuck. So like, this is super interesting shit. I, um, I mean, it's two weeks. I believe this video has been up. It's at 5.4 million. I didn't even know he killed somebody at the Walmart. Yeah. You didn't No. Yeah, dude, it's fucking crazy. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. It's a really interesting thing and it's addictive you're going to jump into this doc and there's, there's a lot of information up top. It's a lot of like, here's where King Von comes from. And uh, you'll be shocked at how young the violence like kicks in and how young Twitter was when he was just saying like, dude, my favorite thing is Reddit gets brought in because there's some fans that hacked his Twitter account and pull up DMS that he had with the, the Snoop girl. And he's like flirting with her and he's like, don't think I won't beat your ass, though. And I guess at one point he caught her on a bus and beat the shit out of her in the back of it. Like he just, he, dude, it's it's gnarly. Um, so, yeah, Randy, I, I can't imagine there would be any opportunity of getting you involved in a YouTube documentary other than this one in the, the city you live in now. Well-crafted, easy watch. Throw it on in the background and you'll get sucked in. Um, the new Cinema Verte, man. Martin Scorsese says you have to watch it. <laughs> this is true. I might. <laughs> Again, yeah. I get, Jasadi, thank you for um, putting this on my radar. I'm addicted to it because, you know, what's funny is uh, Traplor Ross, he's been doing this for like over four years now, making kind of like documenting gang warfare and like rapper beef. And it's insane how much of a blind sight it, you're just like, where the fuck? I never knew any of this. And it's kind of like, well, I guess we're just not concerned. It's a big world full of small worlds. Yeah. But I think so to answer that one question a minute ago, seven bodies, I think is what King Von kind that, of that hit the floor that <laughs> the bodies hit the floor, but potentially upwards of 27 oh, because uh, one of the last rappers that got it, um, it looked like he had put a hundred thousand dollar hit on him and people were like, why, why are you doing that? You don't need to, you know, you're rich. Fucking Drake is like sharing your music. You know, he was on the uh, fast nine soundtrack too. Dude. Thank you, Randy. 
that's the kind of pop culture. And then he's a murderer and he's proud of it. Like, and he has a credit mm, on Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> I mean, OJ Simpson was in several movies. True. Sure. <laughs> Fair. But see, OJ's a maniac, not a serial killer. He doesn't have enough bodies. That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's a clerical error, OJ. We want to give you that serial killer bump, but Jake, we need more bodies. You, know, <laughs> you only gave us two. You know, we're joking about it, but honestly, OJ's probably just a victim of CTE, right? And like, it was a passion thing. He killed him in one go. Yeah, but I mean, you can Allegedly. see you can see CTE more in like a Brendan Schaub than you oh, can yeah. in an OJ Simpson. Yeah, we'll keep a lookout for Brendan Schaub's body counts in the future. Move over, King Vaughn. Oh, dicey, dicey. All right. <laughs> How many stars? Oh, five, dude. It's fantastic. I, it, you know, when a, when a four hour documentary ends and then you have like, um, when I was a child, I used to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 all the time. Uh, what are they called? Children of the Ooze? Secret of the Ooze. Thank you. I remember I asked my mom, I think I must've been like five. I'm like, why do I feel sad whenever this movie's over? She's like, oh, cause you want more. That's what I felt when King, which is bleak. God, I mean, this is a documentary. God, it's just, it's a, they're chronicling. I can't even say it. All right, just send me a link and I'll say <laughs> It's just a document of death. Oh. But I want more because the craft is so fantastic. We talk about the craft enough on this show. Those bitches can take a <laughs> hike. All right, cool. All right, well. Thanks for giving us a fucking eternal homework assignment. Just put it on the background 10 minutes at a time. It's really easy to watch. And Dude, once you get the flow it's of it. It's going to take three years at that pace. <laughs> well, you know, you're cooking, whatever. Cooking or cucking, one or the other. All right. Well, uh, we did good work here today, boys. Good job. Yeah, Randy's got some editing. I'm sorry, dude. I don't know why my internet kept dropping. All good. We'll figure it out. computer's a hunk of shit. My computer's a trooper. That drops out in most interviews no. we do now. That one, um, it was the Ethernet, which is weird. I don't it's know why. This, that, and the other. <laughs> hey, fuck you. I like my computer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang. Uh, we'll see you on Thursday, maybe. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.